0: I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of your uh, pastors here at Anderson Hills. And so we are in this series uh, titled uh, Gathering Wood. Thanks, Phil. And um, this series is about revival. It's about transformation. It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit and, and seeing that spread like fire. And I know for a fact, every one of our staff members is praying for revival to happen within this church. And I believe it is occurring And I believe God wants to continue to spread that throughout Anderson Township and throughout uh, Cincinnati. You might be asking, what is revival? Well, revival is a time of, of spiritual renewal and awakening that transforms a community and region to where lives are saved. Where the grace of God pours out upon people and they experience the holy presence of Almighty God in a new and powerful way. It's a community-transforming revival that moves outside the building. And this revival fire spreads and touches every part of the society, and people are made whole. There's no set formula for, that causes this outpouring of God's Spirit, but God's Word does outline the conditions that must precede a visitation of His presence in revival. And if we want the Holy Spirit to start a fire, are we gathering wood, the pieces of wood that are going to begin a revival spreading within your life, my life, you graduates, all of our new members and those who are being baptized today. And those who are going to be brought home here at Anderson Hills to find a new church home and to be incredibly transformed in this place and outside this place. Last week Pastor John Ferguson he preached on conviction and repentance and how it's an inward change of heart, mind and soul which results in an outward change of behavior. And revival depends upon repentance, and repentance requires that we do an about face and come back to God and move and live in God's rhythms and ways. Today we're going to experience the power of prayer and what prayer can do to lead to revival. I want to kick off by telling you my prayer request for you. This is my prayer request. you ready for it? I pray that you pray. Graduates, wherever you are, these new members who are joining today, those who are sitting, who can hear my voice, I pray that you pray. Pray for revival. Pray for transformation to happen in your lives. Pray for your family, your friends, your pastors, your schools, your neighborhoods, your situations, your purpose, your circumstances, your present, and your future. You see, we under- as we understand the awesome power of the one who we are addressing in prayer, our faith will grow. And we will begin to uh, pray in a way that moves the hand of God. And that's what God desires, It will cause our lives to flourish, my friends, and be revitalized and restored. and Like I said, made whole in righteousness and the love of God. So I want to ask you a question this morning and be introspective here with this question. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? What does it look like? The Bible tells us to pray unceasingly. You remember that faithful hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer? I know many on the contemporary side aren't familiar with that. But you're probably thinking, Sweet Hour of Prayer? Are you kidding me, Pastor Jonathan? I can barely keep my phone from notifying me of the next tasking or the next social media post in my life. Dish the phone. Put it in another room. Turn it off. Power it down. Come out of the world and go into the spiritual path of the divine. That love and that care and that sustenance that God wants to give you in prayer. Go to your prayer closet for a sweet hour of prayer. I just want to read some of the verses to this hymn because I think these verses are so poetic and they're lost unto us. So I'm going traditional church. This is Danny Stover stuff, folks. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. That calls me from a world of care and bids me at my father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, the joys I feel, the bliss I share Of those whose anxious spirits burn with strong desires for thy return. With such I hasten to the place where God my Savior shows his face. And gladly take my station there. And wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. That's what prayer does. That's what prayer does. Prayer is a life about petitioning uh, for a move in our own hearts so that we can be open to receiving more of His love, whereby we become the love of God to ourselves and to others. And we experience that in a powerful way. God wants to have a relationship with you, my friends, not religion, relationship. Be connected to you. You see, we yearn to be connected. We are built and wired for connection. We have two arms and all these fingers we can embrace. We want to hug. We want to kiss. We want to show our love to be connected to one another. In the mother's womb, we are connected through an umbilical cord. During our formative years, we relied on someone bigger than us to feed us, to buy us clothes, to change our diapers, to provide for all of our basic needs. And we have this innate desire to be connected. And you know what? God wants to be connected with you. With you. This great, all-knowing, all-powerful, omniscient God desires to connect with you. First and foremost. And we connect through prayer. It's Him in our hearts and in our minds. We connect by meditating and listening and, and pausing and being mindful and experiencing His guidance for our lives. We connect and we acknowledge His presence. And we fellowship and we praise in His church. And we connect through worship. And we're, we commune with Him and we appreciate His wonders around us. And His wonders that we experience through each other and through the ministries of the church. A couple weeks ago I went to the Wednesday night prayer service that was led by Sue, Pastor Sue Lee and 10 uh, prayer warriors who came to America just to pray for us. They came from Korea. And this service was two hours. And I first saw it from 6.30 to 8.30. I thought, two hours? But it flew by. And I went up to the altar, and I got on my face behind these prayer warriors who were in front of the altar, petitioning, praying for our pastors, praying for you, praying for our schools, praying for our city, our nation. And after I got up to leave, I felt like I could charge hell with a squirt gun, man. I mean, I was just like, oh, yeah, raw. It was awesome, Braveheart type of stuff. Prayer filled the sanctuary. Everything you can think of, like I said, was prayed for. What does your prayer life look like? You see, the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them was prayer. Luke 11, 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples and You know what he did? He taught them a prayer to pray. It's the Lord's prayer. Jesus didn't just teach them about prayer. He taught them to pray. Jesus placed an emphasis on that subject. And he wanted his followers to experience life of transformation and righteousness and obedience to God's will. And Jesus also prayed for his disciples. If you read John 14, you can read this huge discourse, specific things that he prayed for about his disciples. And he was in his father's will. Beloved, God wants you to talk to him and listen to him, listen to his voice. And God wants you to impart your life upon him. That's how Jesus knew God's will and mission in the world. He carried it out through the power of prayer. And God wants to do the same for us. And King David gave us a beautiful gift, my friends. It's the book of Psalms. Beautiful prayers that we can pray maybe when we don't have utterances within us. These books of Psalms came from the core longing of God. For example, check out uh, Psalm 80, verses 18 through 19, David praying for revival. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us. We will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. David wrote these powerful prayers that we can pray today. As a matter of fact, we're going to pray another psalm right now. And I want you to pray it with me. I want you to say these words. They're going to be up on the monitor. Just don't say it. Pray it with me. You ready? Put it up there. All right. Let's do it. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than my life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with riches of foods. With singing, my lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for the jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glorify him. While their mouths of liars will be silenced. Wow, that is like antiseptic for the soul. Just praying that. Just tuning in to that rhythm. You see, Psalm 63, David he once again finds himself running for his life. And his son Absalom has spearheaded a revolt against him. And he's fled to the wilderness for safety. However, despite his situation, he doesn't despair. He's pouring out his heart in prayer, in his circumstances, and with his, in his fear. He's totally putting his attention on the one who removes fear. Fear. And he expresses his longing for God and the confidence that God is his only hope and source of rescue and satisfaction. In Psalm 63, David makes abundantly clear that he thirsts above God, above all else. And that God is his ultimate source of satisfaction. In fact, he makes this bold declaration that the love of God is better than life. And David leaves no doubt, my friends, that there's nothing in this world that he values more than knowing God and living in a personal relationship with him. This psalm, what it makes it more impactful is to realize that David writes it from a place of suffering. And we can, we can pray our prayers in our circumstances in life like Psalm 63 or like Psalm 121 or like Psalm 23 or 100. Or in beginning with the beginning, Psalm 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, all the way through. You see, life is full of disappointments, and our souls can be fully content in God and experience the ministries of the Holy Spirit in praying prayers like this. Do you see the desire for the, the thirst of God here? The mindfulness of God ever before David. I pray for defense against real enemies. Praying for help. Praying to be satisfied and filled. I want to ask you a question. Do you have a thirst for God? Do you have a thirst for God? To be filled by his wondrous benefits of being attached to God. I have vivid memories of those hot Indiana summers. So hot you could hear the corn grow. And you can hear corn grow, my friends. (laughs) I'd play basketball with my friends because it was Indiana. And my buddies, we would be in the heat of summer, and I'd get so, so thirsty. And I'd run in the house, and I'd take out a pitcher. My mom always stored a pitcher of cold water in the refrigerator, and I'd grab a glass, and I'd fill up that water, and I would tip it up, and I would chug it. And sometimes my mom would say, slow down, Jonathan. You're going to get a bellyache. You're going to get sick. And I didn't care because I was so deeply thirsty. Revival is about drinking deeply of the living water of God through prayer. Like David praying, my soul thirsts for the Lord. And when I drink deeply from God through prayer, I experience so many benefits, my friends. Take it for a spin. Try it out. Get in the rhythm and the pattern. Get into a sweet hour of prayer. Let's take a look at some of the benefits of God from prayer. First of all, prayer is a power bringer. Prayer prayer is a power bringer. Prayer is where victory is won. Prayer revives lives and awakens us to the source of spiritual power. Consider David, Elijah, Jacob, Daniel. It seems that the scripture shows us so many examples of where they experience power through their prayers. In the life of Paul, he shook up places through prayer. Daniel, it meant living with God's power upon them to get them through the circumstances this world was trying to place upon them. The early church knew the power of of prayer. Uh, Just 10 days before the Holy Spirit was poured down in Pentecost, they prayed in the upper room, and it said they prayed so hard that the earth, the place that they were in, it started to shake physically. Power, power, power. And they must have pleased the Lord. And they left that prayer meeting filled with power and boldness to be able to witness and share their faith with others. And people recognized that they had power. Peter Ford, the author of God's Simple Plan of Salvation, said this about prayer No prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. Jesus says in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Powerful prayers come with a humbled heart, a surrendered posture before God. And it ought to be a part of our regular prayer life to request God, to ask God to share his power for our faith, the power to testify, the power to teach, the power to love, the power to forgive, the power for a way to live the way he wants us to live. And then after we pray and get off our knees, we go out into the world and we utilize those benefits and give unto others the ministry of that power through our prayers. Failure to pray means loss of contact with our Lord. Failure to pray means defeat in the battles of life, my friends, in the battle for the mind. It means defeat in marriage. It means defeat in the home with our children, in our service, and in our singleness. Will we have victory over worry, fear, anxiety, in our attitudes, in our actions, in our decisions of our will without a strong prayer life? The answer without hesitation is no. I counsel a lot of people. And when they come to me in struggle, I consistently ask them, how's your prayer life? And many times when they are really struggling with their purpose or they're just stuck or they're just experiencing defeat, usually their prayer life is nil. Prayer will lead to victory, especially over sin. Secondly, the benefit of prayer is prayer is a sin killer. Prayer is a sin killer. No one can sin and pray. Sin will either make us cease from sin or sin will cause us to cease from prayer. Did you get that? Prayer will either make us cease from sin or sin will cause us to cease from prayer. Many times have you prayed and then deliberately sinned? It's rare. And I know most of the time I act on impulse instead of being in a mode of prayer. I got to tell you, man. My wife said don't share this, but I got to. I shared it at Faith and Friends on Tab. <laughs> Forgive me. But I just got to tell you, yoga pants, (laughs) temptation, looking, I'm trying to make captive thoughts, (laughs) take captive the thoughts, and I pray in those times, you know, because I'm, I'm a man, and I know I need to pray in those times of temptation. And pray will help drive sin out of my lives. Pray will give you the, prayer will give you the determination to press through temptation and the desire to overcome sin and revival will occur within you. You see, prayer is also a holiness promoter. Prayer is at the center of revival and holiness. We saw in February how at Asbury Seminary, people who were testifying saw that they could sense the glory and presence and the holiness of God. And it became real and alive. And these young people encountered the living God. And they never are going to be the same. And you can too. Praying for a holy life is like a gentle dew. Do. Which falls upon thirsty plants and causes them to be refreshed and bring forth fruitfulness of holiness. And we must be like those thirsty plants. And Jesus promised to fill us with his holiness. And he commanded us to be holy as I am holy. God says that unto us. And the meaning is that since God is holy, we profess to be his followers. And we ought also to be holy. We have to take those times of self-examination, and it requires time alone with God and let him guide us to the places to help us thrive. That's why David asked the Lord, that's what David asked the Lord to do for him, especially in Psalm 51, examine me, search me, rid me of anything that doesn't belong, be holy. You see, David was one of the bravest men in the Bible, and when he faced Goliath, he didn't care about that Philistine giant. He didn't care about putting on physical armor and sword. He knew what power was before him, behind him so that he could face the power that was right in front of him. And David took out Goliath with that one smooth stone. And he faced all the nations of Israel with courage. But the bravest thing he ever did, my friends, was to open up his life to prayer giving up his his surrendered life unto the Lord. We're living in desperate days. My goodness. Church, many parts of the world need revival, need to show people how to live because there's so much confusion. There's so many lies. I don't know if you sense the urgency of the hour. It's not hard to see that Things aren't right. God is trying to get our attention. And it's time to truly cry out to the Lord to become men and women of fervent prayer. We need God's intervention in our cities and in our nations. The valleys of defeat must be filled. The mountains of disbelief must be leveled. The crooked places of dishonesty must be straightened. And the rough places of disobedience must be made smooth. Will you give your life to God and become a vehicle of prayer? Will you commit with me to pray for revival in your life, revival in this church, revival in Anderson Township, in this city, and in this nation? Let us pray. Father God, we live in such an age where people wander aimlessly to find something to give them meaning in life. And what they seek in this world, they do not find because they're not finding it because they're away from the true source of life itself, and that's you. Father, today we come together as true and sincere followers of you to kindly and ardently ask for the revival of our souls in this age. God, you say in Matthew 7 to come and ask you for what we desire, Lord. We desire for our friends and our families and our neighbors to be open and to seek and find the truth of an authentic source of life, and that is you. We invite your Holy Spirit to be poured out upon the people you have made. We invite you to perform miracles and wonders and to speak to the people you have crafted with your hands. God, you say in Psalm 139 that you have crafted each person and every person in the hidden place in the palm of your hand. So we pray that truth will be brought to light in each and every person you have crafted. And it is only by your spirit that truth can be truly known. And we implore this day for such revival of spirits, of nations, and of hearts. And we pray this in the name of... Of Jesus Christ our Lord. And all God's people said. Amen.